This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Roka Report Recap Pod. I'm Brett from Milton Keynes and with the lads not being in action this weekend, it's time to see how Sunderland have started the season and we'll also be looking at the situation with the under-23s and the ladies' teams as well, of course, playing away. Tonight's pod, I am joined by regular exile and the Michael Parkinson of the Roka Report, it's Chris Widdin sheffield Chris, how are you doing? I'm not too bad, thanks Brett. Good, man. Do you know what? I've been thinking how to introduce you every single week you're on. Um, and I feel like I've got to mention you in your little black book of 90s footballers. Yeah, it's a time when uh, I actually, uh, well, before the drink kicked in and I can actually remember stuff. So, um, so yeah, it's been been a pleasure to speak to someone. Yeah, it's quite weird how we don't give you many of the uh, 2000 ones, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I couldn't tell you between about, let's say, 2001 and 2010. I haven't got a clue what happened. <laughs> I'll have to educate myself at two. Who was that? Kevin Phillips again? Not sure he is. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the drinks yeah, does bit, to you. It's a bit hazy. The lost decade. <laughs> and you've just heard then as well, uh, well, it's the first time he's on one of my pods, but regular local and one of the members of the Roke Report lockdown quiz. It's Ant Watson in Durham. Ant, how you doing? Yeah, not bad, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers for having us, by the way. No, it's great to have you on. How you doing? Is it, is, uh, how are you finding it up there at the moment with uh, sort of like lockdown-wise? Uh, oh, it's just mad, you know, we're not allowed to do anything, I'm going to go out and be home by 10. It, it feels like I'm like in me kind of early <laughs> teens, you know, like, and your mum's like, if you're not, if you're not in by 10, the door's locked, it feels like that. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy, but I mean, everyone's in the same boat now, aren't they? So it's craziness. I, 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 I feel like I'm getting old because the fact that being home by 10 o'clock sounds lovely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it wouldn't impact my rock and roll. Life, so that's for sure. <laughs> Right, let's jump straight into it. So, we'll, um, as I say, we'll talk about um, the season as a whole in a, in a short while. But obviously, we'll mention yesterday's game, recording this on Wednesday evening. So, Sunderland 5, Carlisle 3. It was a strange game. We were sort of like cruising at points and then, in typical Sunderland fashion, made it hard work for ourselves. I say, five goals for us, two from Maguire, one from Hume. Um, Charlie White proved all his doubters wrong. And scored an absolute rocket from two yards out. Um, and then a very, very well-deserved goal from Jack Diamond. Um, for Carlisle, um, Remy Matthews hasn't really showered himself in glory. Gave away a penalty and then sort of patted one in. And the third, to be fair, was a breakaway goal. I don't think he had uh, much chance against. But at the time, it was 4-3. Made us nervous. And as I said, Jack Diamond uh, put the matter to bed. So, uh, Chris, what was your thoughts on uh, on yesterday's game? Well, it was... Uh... 
It was about the worst 5-3 I think you'll ever see in your life, really, wasn't it? Eight goals. Um, and I came away after the game going, I think I, I told uh, told my wife after the game, she went, was it a good game? I said, we won 5-3. She said, uh, oh, sounds brilliant. I went, no, it wasn't really. And I c- couldn't quite explain it. it. It was just such a strange game. Um, yeah, um, we just, it was one of those when we, even when we went behind, I just thought, well, we're just going to get some goals and win this game. And I can't say that we kind of played them off the park. It was just they they looked a level below. We looked a level above. We didn't really get out of second gear. And, and yeah, won 5-3. Just a completely bizarre game. Yeah, it was bizarre. And I can see you nodding your head away <laughs> as, as Chris is talking then. Were you sort of like had the same sort of feelings about it? Yeah, it was. It was, it was mental. Like I, I, wrote, I wrote down in a little notebook. I was like kind of writing in and... I literally had the goals and there was nothing else, wasn't there? It was just goal, 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 <laughs> nothing, goal, goal, goal. Uh, it was it was a crazy game. Nice to win again, you know. I mean, start of the season, obviously the um, the league cup we got knocked out on penalties, but we haven't lost in ninety minutes this season. So it's it's always it's all about getting confidence in in the young lads, and obviously we'll go on to that later on. But I thought a couple of them young lads were excellent yesterday, so it can only it can only be good for the future, really. Yeah, now that's like, that was one of the things I sort of wanted to sort of highlight straight away because this is going to be one of those really strange pods where I don't know where we're going to go on the positive negative scale of things um, because so you know I always try and look you know a little bit of a happy clapper. Let's try and do the positives first. So, um, and what were your positives to take from yesterday's game? Um, well, Jack Diamond for a start thought he was thought he was absolutely fantastic. You know, he he doesn't look out of place in our in our side. You know. If you know, you're kind of thinking if we got an injury to Maguire, Maguire again, you would possibly think about putting him there now. As he can attack, he can play wing back, he can do pretty much everything. And for being just a young lad, round about this time last year, I remember him playing in the Czech Trade Trophy. And he just looked too slim, too skinny. Needed to go out on loan, which he did. Went arrogant. He's beefed up. Looks a different player now, and he's going to be. I think a big player for us this season because the amount of games that we're going to have to play this year and. A lot are going to be coming thick and fast, aren't they? And to have someone like that, and Dan Neil for that matter, is really, really good. Now, as you say, mentioning um, Jack Diamond there, he's a great advert for getting the kids out on loan. You know, there's been question marks in the part, we've had this, these conversations a few times, so I know me and Chris have been on the, on the pods together about the good thing about going down was then the youngsters can start coming through, mm-hmm. but then it's almost like, well, the youngsters we'd want to be loaning out we're now sort of having to try and chuck him into the first team. And like, like I say, Hume, it's, it's, it's taken a little while for him to really find his feet. But Jack Diamond, as you say, yesterday looked absolutely, he didn't look out of place at all. Um, Chris, you know, for yourself, on, on Jack Diamond's performance yesterday, would you look at like sort of throwing him in into, into the first team, into the actual starting 11? Well, yeah, I know there's a lot of clamour to, to bring him in, but um, I think we have to... We have to remember, obviously, the opposition who we've played. Obviously, Aston Villa under twenty ones who we impressed against pre season. He impressed. Um, they weren't kind of the best opposition in the world either in pre season. Um, and then last night against uh, Carlisle, or the other night against Carlisle. Um, yeah. So and and he's because of the opposition we've played. He's basically played as a as a natural right midfielder. Mm-hmm. So whereas Lugo nine on a you know an average League One afternoon in his wing-back role, would be expected to get up and down and he would be put under more pressure from the opposition wingers, 
pinned back almost or pushed further back into a more of a fullback position. That's never happened with, with Jack Diamond playing out wide in the position he's played in uh, in the EFL Trophy. Um, so I don't think, Phil, especially with the way Phil Parkinson thinks and with the way Phil Parkinson has a set up, he won't have Jack Diamond playing in that position in League One, I don't think, um, because there's too much pressure on the defensive side of things. Um, but what you just said there about maybe... I mean, I was thinking more of the the role that Josh Scowen's played or maybe over the last couple of weeks, you know, in that kind of inside right role, um, more an advanced role. I think he could he could play he could play a part there further up the pitch where he hasn't got that responsibility to get back because because actually as a youth player as well, he was actually a striker. Um, and I think as he's kind of progressing and, and developing his game, he's kind of moving further back, maybe as a more of an attacking midfielder. Um, so yeah, I think going into this further into the season as you said Brett I think with the games coming thick and fast I think we'll see start seeing Diamond come off the bench because he's we've had four league games he's only uh, been on the bench twice in the last two mm-hmm. and he hasn't had any minutes yet so I think we'll start seeing him come on you know <laughs> again Parkinson likes to play it safe so we'll need to have a, maybe a two goal lead three goal <laughs> lead before Parkinson chucks him on um, but if he starts getting some minutes off the bench and starts impressing in League One, then yeah, I think he, he could start eventually pushing for that first team place. And also, then, and, and so I agree exactly with what you're saying there. You know, it's you know, he, he it's it's almost one of those frustrating things about Parkinson, and it's, it's play it safe sometimes. And sometimes it might be that even if we're actually losing, to gamble and chuck him on as opposed to the normal bring Charlie Wyke on, or you know, just try and mix something up a little bit. Um, would be you know that may be where he gets his opportunity in the, in a when we need to change things around as opposed to when we're actually winning a game. Well, well, it's pace as well. I mean, against Charlton at the weekend, um, what we were crying out for last fifteen. Well, I'd say last fifteen minutes. I would say before Flanagan got sent off when he made those changes. What I think it was around twenty five minutes left or so, something like that when he brought um, uh, when he brought O'Brien. Um, uh, no, sorry, he brought White and Greg on for O'Brien and Graham with about 25 minutes left. The game was crying out for some pace and, and he brought White and, and Greg on who didn't really have that mobility and, and OK, it got kind of screwed up and Flanagan got sent off. But it was one of those occasions where he, Jack Diamond, bit of pace, bit of positivity, could have made the difference to get against Charlton. Just something completely different, isn't it? It's, it's worthwhile giving it a go. Also then, so, so last night then, is any other positives... Um, obviously, apart from us scoring sort of five goals, any other players, uh, Chris, shine out for you apart from um, Jack Diamond, who, who's really sort of, you know took advantage of that situation of being you know, a bit of a free game for us yesterday? Uh, I think the obvious one's Denver Hume. Um, he's just he's just coming on leaps and bounds. He's just impressing more and more as it goes on. Um, I still think, still think. I mean, if I'm if I'm going to be ultra critical, I still think his final ball can be improved. Um, but I think he, I mean, he's just getting there. He's just improving. Um, and actually, the rate that he's improving um, this season, um, he's kind of took off from from um, maybe the. He was, I think we were we were struggling at times last season, so it's maybe not not quite as fair to to be critical. But I think this season he, he's been obviously being told he's the number one choice there, uh, and he's just cracking on with it. So. Um, yeah, he's just impressing every time he goes out on the pitch now. Yeah, he's he's been excellent this season, and as as I say, that you know, hopefully that, that that final ball comes. But I think just even the runs he makes, the positions he seems to be getting in, he's an outlet continuously for us to um, you know, to get the ball. 
in, there's almost a danger of us being a bit over-reliant on him at times. I know that seems to be the Parkinson way of get it down the left or get it down the right. And then, you know, but at the moment, it seems to be, you know, he's probably our most important player or, or you know, top, top, top two, three players, you know, on that team sheet. And if he was injured, I think, we've, you know, we know there's no left back at the moment um, or left wing back um, so far. Obviously, transfer window shuts next week. But if we, if we lost him, we'd be in serious trouble. Definitely. Um, and, and, and sorry, you say, yeah, uh, I, on totally, there. I totally agree with that. I mean, I can't speak hardly enough of Denver Hume at the moment. I mean, we, we two worries are, yeah, obviously, if he gets injured, we've got nothing there. Um, but I also, I've got this horrible, horrible feeling that we need to be in the top two pushing for promotion by the time January comes around because I do think some championship sides will start looking at him because he's, he's kind of proven himself to be too good for League One at the minute. You know, he's he's absolutely he's been absolutely fantastic. If he can improve his final ball within the next two or three months, he'll turn into an absolutely quality player for us. I will say that. Well, he's literally he's becoming a modern fullback, isn't he? Because mm. I know the defensive side of it, no modern fullbacks can defend very well. Yeah. You know, you look at Alexander Arnold at Liverpool, and I'm not saying he's anywhere near in the same league, but going forward he's phenomenal, but going backwards, that is a bit of his weakness in his game. But that is Modern fullbacks these days. There's I very do few think that that's do improving as well, though, Brett. I do think his defensive side has got better this season. Oh yeah, sorry, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm not saying he's he has. Yeah, I agree with that. He has got a lot better on it. Stronger, mm-hmm. isn't he? But I think that that is as he's becoming more. Of, he's filling out, become more of a man, isn't he? That yeah. is, you know. And then, so those last two, three years, which sort of takes me back to my last comment, him sort of going out on not really having the loans of Jack yeah. Diamond, it would have done him the world of good. Yeah, well, just just on that, I mean, that talking about the loans and, and a po- another positive from uh, from the Carlisle game, I thought I, w- I was so impressed with how comfortable Dan Neil looks on yeah. the ball. He just do- you can tell he's just got a touch. He just knows what he's doing. He doesn't look out of place. You can tell the other players are responding to him as well uh, because they're making runs when he's got the ball because he they, they kind of know that he's uh, he's got that vision and he's got that ball. And he just looks like he's got a nice touch. He's got a, his first touch always seems to to settle the ball. He's not bobbling about. He's not. He doesn't mess about with it. He's uh, he just looks comfortable. And um, but talking about loan, you know, young players going out on loan. I mean, the the issue was against Carlisle. I mean, even though it was Carlisle as well, you could see him tiring. Yeah. Um, and with fifteen minutes he left, he was brought off uh, for Aidan O'Brien. But he he looked tired as well. But and I think. Maybe last season, if Dan Neil had had a similar move to to Jack Diamond, he'd be at the same level, if not maybe a bit ahead of Jack Diamond, because he looks he looks a cracking player. I think as well the state of play of our under twenty threes last season, it would yeah. have done in the world of good to go out on yeah. loan. Um, you know, and been a, in a, a lot, and also I will go and talk to about a bit more about the under twenty threes. Been in a less sort of negative environment, and it must have been last season like like that for him. But yeah, so I think, would you say he's now, he needs to be getting at least a start, like not a start, but a place on the bench um, for the Swindon game in a couple of weeks? And sorry. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry. It's, a, it's an interesting one with him because I, I do and I don't in a way because uh, I don't know, I, I, you could probably, I think every Sunderland fan would probably say you'd rather have him on the bench than Wyke, but is I'm not sure if he's actually ready for League One yet. Um, I would personally send him out to a league, to a top, League Two side, and let him, and just until January, get him three months of playing regular football. Come back in January when we probably will need him, and then throw him in. Then, um, 
But um, and I'm with Chris. I think he is an excellent footballer. I think he's very, very good, and he's probably our only midfielder who looks to play the forward pass all the time. You know, the rest of them are going from side to side. You saw Dobson and Power doing that yesterday. He looks to go forward all the time, and he probably will be good foil for Will Grigg if Will Grigg was to get back in the side. I, would, I, I really don't know to be honest. I am in the, I'm in right in the middle with him. Like I must admit. I, I I don't think he's he's there. He's just there in terms of. I mean, we're talking about Denver Hume filling out. I mean, Denver Hume's had two years of first team football now in League One, and he's he's just now kind of you know becoming this brilliant player that we all thought he was going to be last year and the year before. So I still think he's got a he's got a long way to go, and, and you know, obviously League One's going to be tougher than what he's used to. So and and if he tied against Carlisle. Um, you know, in a kind of blood and thunder game in League One, then you know how long is he going to last? We've got Embleton to come back as well. It was a similar player, haven't we? Yeah. And Embleton's Good probably show. a little bit ahead of him. Um, yeah. I mean, true. the problem well, is Embleton is injured all the time, but yeah. a fit Embleton would be fit. probably on the bench over Dan Neil for me. But it is what it is, isn't it? Well, well, those are the positives uh, from yesterday's game. Unfortunately. You know, we have one. Um, let's look at the, like the negatives. Um, well, how do I say this? Anne, you put a, a, a comment on your Twitter yesterday. <laughs> I knew it was a comment. You you weren't overly impressed with Remy Matthews. I'll, I'll let you carry on from there. <laughs> oh, you know what? I mean, it was the quote, the tweet. Sunderland fans, Lee Camp is the worst goalkeeper we've ever seen. Remy Matthews, hold me beer. Um, oh, you know, it's probably the wittiest thing I've ever put on Twitter, to be honest. Like, um, it was it was very harsh on me. You're such a nice bloke normally. <laughs> I, know, I know exactly. Yeah, I'm normally yeah, I'm normally quite nice, but yeah, I mean, oh, you know, I mean, his two mistakes he's made have both been against Carlisle as well, which is really quite bad on him, really. But I mean, he's he's not great, is he? I mean, I don't know if he's if he's putting too much pressure on himself because he's seen Burgess kept as many clean sheets as he has without looking that solid, um, but. He's just not. He's not making any uh, friends, really, is he? I mean, that penalty is just dreadful. And the second goal, um, I think he should be doing a lot better there. I mean, he's kind of just limp wristed it in, hasn't he? And you know, the goalkeeper's got to have strong hands. You know, if he's going down like that, he's he's going to concede a lot of goals. And that's against you know, no disrespect to Carlisle, but that's against the League Two side. So if Burge gets injured or anything like that, you're not going to trust Matthews to come in at all, are you? No, he gives you very little confidence. And as you say, like, he didn't set the fans. I think we weren't sort of amazed by him on that, that very first game against Clark Collin, the friendly, really soft goal he let in. Um, I say then the penalty yesterday and that, that he just that second goal was, was pathetic. It's typical um, Sunderland though, isn't it? That like in the two games he played against us last season for Bolton, he was fantastic. In the away game, I went to the away game, we drew 1-1. We couldn't, we couldn't get the ball pies making some saves from nowhere. And we, we ought to get a penalty at the end to score past me. He was absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking, oh, he'd be quite a good uh, backup <laughs> goalkeeper. And then two minutes into his debut against Carlisle on, uh, in pre-season, he throws one into his own net. It's kind of like, oh, dear me. It's, it's the weird side curse, I think. Yeah, it must be. It must be. Um, Chris, yourself, I, I, say, I, don't, I don't want to sit hammering Remy Matthews with the old <laughs> pod, but um, was any other negatives in yesterday's game that, that sort of you know, did strike you? I think there's one worry that that stands out. Um, he put Brandon Taylor in, um, and Brandon Taylor. I mean, again, a young lad. I was, I was so, I was willing him because you know, with with maybe Flanagan being suspended, 
um, chances of injury suspensions that are you know almost guaranteed to to pop up mm-hmm. at, you know this season to our to our defenders. I was willing them to to kick on and really put in a good shift and then challenge the the four kind of centre halves more kind of established centre halves we've got. But he's he just looked off the pace. Um, he looked he gave the ball away in dangerous areas. Um, he didn't look comfortable on the ball, which which is a concern. Um, against a team that didn't really kind of, you know, push from the front either. They didn't put our defence under that much pressure. But even when he had some space, he didn't look comfortable on the ball. And my issue is with with Taylor. He's he, he turned uh, he turned twenty one in May. So I mean, he's kind of he's not kind of a young lad. We're not talking like a seventeen yeah. year old, eighteen year old who was thrown in on his first game and all this sort of stuff. I mean, I looked at this the stats and like two years ago, almost to the day, he was on the bench against Carlisle in the EFL Trophy. And two years on, all right, he makes a start in 11, but he's still only coming out in the EFL Trophy. He's not, he's not, he's not, he's not pushing on, is he? No, he hasn't He hasn't moved any further forward in two years. He's just got older. Um, and again, that might be partly down. I'm not going to just put it all on Brandon Taylor. I think the club's policy was sending players out on loan, as we've, we've t- touched yeah. on. I think I think it's, it's terrible. And, you know, players like Brandon Taylor would have, benefited tons from going out on loan last season and he might have been you know much further forward if he had been out on loan last season so that's a concern because we've already got Flanagan suspended uh 09 he's not a center half and he, he looked he, he did a job he as does, he, he, always he, does. yeah you, you can chuck but, him in he'll do a job but he's not a center back is he <laughs> he's not I mean you could tell I mean I mean all right Matthews Kate charged out for the penalty but or nine actually tried to play offside mm-hmm. when there was one of the other center half standing 10 yards behind him yeah. so he's always going to give you 100 percent he's always going to look decent because he's a good player but he's not a center <laughs> half so if that and and if we had, if we had a, a okay Flanagan again, he's away on international duty. Imagine he's away on international duty, but we shouldn't have been, we shouldn't have needed Bailey Wright to play in the middle last night. No, especially um, if he's injury and, and he record sh- as well. Yeah, he shouldn't, he shouldn't have been risked last night. And you can, you can tell a lot by the fact that in a game where we were winning five three, Brandon Taylor was brought off with five minutes to go because they got a little bit concerned yeah. we might actually throw it away. So yeah, that's the one concern that. Uh, from the Carlisle game that I had. No, I take that on board as well. So with the actual, the competition itself, we've scored 12 goals in two games. Is the competition, is it proving a healthy distraction for us? I know from the start of the season, it was like, let's just get knocked out of it as soon as possible. <laughs> but if we had a bit of a run, Chris, I'll start with you first, would you be bothered? Well, you know what's going to happen. Gav called it. I don't know if you listened to the, but Gav called it. We're gonna we're gonna win at Wembley and nobody's yeah. gonna be there. That's exactly what's gonna happen, isn't it? So, 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 so no uh, no weird side curses are lifted for any yeah, of us. Exactly. Against we're, gonna, we're gonna we're gonna do the quadruple this season and nobody's gonna be there to to and we're not allowed to celebrate and we've got to be in by ten o'clock. <laughs> yeah, um no, I, I it's I mean, those score lines, those goals that you've just mentioned, just a waste of time. I mean that, that Aston Villa game, it was I, I actually watched that and it was it wasn't. I mean, we won it one, but part of us just thought this isn't pleasant to watch because no. it's it's men against boys, young lads who are just getting hammered. Um, and I think there were two down in like fifteen minutes against Fleetwood the other it night. Was in yes. four. There were so, two down in the first four minutes last night. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just uncomfortable, and it, uh, it's just. Um, I mean, they can't even get sponsorship this season, and I don't think. I think Parkinson 
if he'd had the choice, he would have probably said, um, no, we'll just go and if, if they said, are you sure you want to play it? He would have said, no, I'll, I'll let's not play it. And we'll just come out and we'll go into the international break because it's just a chance for players to get injured. And yeah. we haven't got, we haven't got a very big squad. And are you agreeing with that? Or do you think it's actually quite a good opportunity to bring in the Jack Diamonds, the Dan Neils? Yeah, I mean, that's probably the only good thing to come of it, you know, to blood these young lads. I mean, it's like what Chris says. I mean, imagine yesterday if Bailey Wright turns an ankle and is out for three, four weeks, then we're, we're behind, aren't we? And it's it, it's just a point of set. It is a point of exercise, really. I mean, the, the kind of unfortunate thing is we're probably going to get out of the group now because I can't see Aston Villa <laughs> putting 15 past Carlisle. You know, so I don't know. If it's also the weekend, it's possible. I think. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, but I mean, it would be as long as we don't get too far in it. That that's my yeah. kind of um, my kind of stance on it. Really, it's nice to see. Obviously, you know, you know, Jack Diamond, who we've spoke about, you know, who looks who, who is benefiting from it, and that that's all well and good. But let's not go too far. Let's not take our eyes off what is the prize this season. That is promotion. Let's not. You know, that's what ended up happening, didn't it? A couple of years ago, we ended up getting. Got getting past Newcastle under twenty threes, Man City under twenty three. I think all of a sudden we were in the semi finals, and we did get distracted, and it and it hit it hit yeah. us hard when we lost. So you know we need to just focus on getting promoted. Yeah, have a have a good time in it, but start getting to a point where if we are getting a little bit further forward, maybe just play a reserve like a youth team, bring the under twenty threes in, and then just you know put it on the back burner. Really, that's fair enough. Um, so. Moving away from the Carlisle game, um, we've no game this weekend to uh, to look forward to. We'll take a, a bit of a look back um, at the season so far. Um, we're seven games in overall. So we start off with defeat to Hull on penalties to go out of the League Cup, which we weren't really that bothered about. Um, beat Villa's kids 8-1, as we said. Drew 1-1 with Bristol Rovers. Beat Oxford 2-0. Beat Peterborough 1-0. Drew a Charlton at the weekend 0-0. And obviously the five three with Carlisle yesterday. So in normal time, as was mentioned earlier, we're unbeaten. Uh, three quick clean sheets out of four in the league. Seven points off our supposed promotion rivals. Chris, are we happy? Yeah, I think we've got to be. Um, I think I think I think if we were all offered that in pre-season, I think we would have taken that, especially with the the games we had coming. Um, you know, um, unbeaten after four. Um. I, yeah, I think I think we would have took that. Um. I think we would have also took. Um. <laughs> I'm not going to say the style, but uh, of course, because <laughs> we'll, we'll probably come on to that. But I think would would have taken the fact that we're going into the season with an obvious plan. Mm-hmm. Um. Which which is, on on one hand, it's good to see because you can see the 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 work they've put in on the training ground in pre season. You can see Parkinson's drilled in exactly how he wants them to play. Um, every player on that pitch knows exactly what their job is, um, which I think is refreshing to see in one sense. Um, but it seems like he's only done the defensive side, and I'm hoping he's still working <laughs> on on the attacking side because um, I mean I I think it's been said quite a lot, and there's a lot of piece, pieces going around about it. Doesn't take a genius to see where we need to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is if that's the plan, my feeling is that I don't think it's going to improve in an attacking sense. I think each game is going to be this kind of controlled possession where we keep it tight at the back. We don't we don't keep a high line. There's no space in behind us. Um and uh, and yeah, it's going to some games are going to be a slog to watch, I think, um on the basis of the first four. And are you uh, are you agreeing with that? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say I'm slightly gutting on playing. I'm paying a tenner a match to watch it. Like, so it's it's not great, <laughs> is it? But you know, I mean, you you look at the teams that we've played. You know, we've got Oxford, Peterborough, and Charlton. You would say are going to be there or thereabouts at the end of the season, and we've made them look ordinary. You know, Saturday especially. I mean, we played Charlton off the park in the first forty-five minutes. Thought we were excellent, and we were probably only Danny Graham away from 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 actually you know winning that game if Danny Graham puts one of them chances away which I do think in in the season come I do think he will end up scoring a few goals I think he just needs that one um but I'm I'm actually pleasantly surprised with the resilience that that we're showing you know I mean we do not look like we're going to concede um and this is despite having a shaky goalkeeper really because he's he's not particularly looked that solid but um I mean, the three at the back, it will be interesting against Swindon how Jamadjli fits in. We're assuming Jamadjli's going to play, but how he suits in, how he fits into that um, kind of back three because Flanagan has looked quite solid and he kind of benefits Wright and Willis playing alongside him because he just knows his role there. So it will be interesting when that is, is changed. Um, but yeah, and, and, and again, with with Chris, I would, we need to score more goals. We need to, we need to find... A start or or a, a striker or a striking duo or any kind of attacking line that is going to score goals because it will end up in the season to come that we're going to have to score two or three to win a game. You know we're not going to get by just winning one nils every week because it's not going to happen. Well, you've drawn me nicely on to my sort of follow up question because <laughs> I had a feeling when I mentioned are we happy that goal scoring might come up. So as it stands, we've got. I'm going to say this before, there's like this, we've got, we always play a front three, be it one striker and two behind or one behind two strikers. So you've got White, Graham, O'Brien, Grigg, Gooch, Maguire. And then all of a sudden, we've got, you can kind of add maybe Scowan into that mix. You can maybe add Dan Neal into that mix. If you really want to go a bit left field, go uh, add Kimbioka into that mix as well. Now, would you try and just mix it up like completely differently, Chris, at the moment, or or would you? How would you? How would you solve our um, goal scoring issues as it stands? Well, I mean, he's been switching out the personnel because I mean, in in well, he's been rotating it week after week. But it's interesting that he's gone with the same kind of front two almost in the two away games. Um, so against Charlton and against Oxford, he's gone for O'Brien and Graham. Mm-hmm. Um, he's gone for kind of experience. He's gone for players who can hold the ball up, let you know, wait for others to come into play. So it's not, you know, if we get the ball clear, it's not bouncing straight back. Um, so he's he's kind of it looks like he's got a bit of a plan home and away. I mean, he started, uh, you know, the home game um, with uh, Greg up front. I think wasn't it against against uh, Bristol Rovers? Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, and and White looked pretty. Kind of terrible against against Oxford, but but don't forget he's back in the goals though now. Don't <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, the goalkeeper rolled it out to him from a yard out, which is handy. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're talking about the personnel, but I mean, we talked about the style before and the way we've been playing with the ball. There's been a lot of possession based controlled football mm-hmm. where the tempo is really slow, but I think it's purposely slow. Um, because I think in a lot of games under Jack Ross and to a certain extent, the first period under Phil Parkinson, there was periods of games where we were running around like a headless chicken and we lost control of it or we conceded and we were chasing the game after that. And the plan doesn't work 
if you if you kind of necessarily kind of go behind and lose your head. So it's really controlled football. It's keep the ball. It's be patient as possible. Um, hopefully, it looks like gradually we're cutting out the the long aimless balls mm-hmm. gradually, very slowly. Um, but you saw in that first half, as Ant said, in that first half at the Valley, that uh, you know Ledbetter kind of controlled the game, and uh, we seem to be suited to to playing away a bit more, which um, hopefully gets a start to suit us at home to to get some goals and to to kind of close games out. Um, so I'm not sure it's all about the personnel at the minute because I think whoever you play up front, we're not going to create that much. So it's got a lot of pressure if. Any striker, whether it's Graham, White, Greg, whoever it is, if they're only getting two chances a game, that's a, that's a hell of a lot of pressure to say, well, you're going to have to put one of those away for us to get three points. Yeah. Um, Anne, are you, uh, where do you stand on the uh, the front situation? Um, oh, I, I think, I do think Danny Graham will come good. Um, I think his movement against, even though he never scored, his movement was fantastic. You know, he got into some positions where you've never seen White. I think it was for the, the first chance he had when O'Brien had burst into the box. And you saw Graham straight away aiming for going in for goal because he knew if the ball had come out or it came to him, he was going to try and you know, put a bat in the back of the net. He just looked so more alert and more of a striker than what White looks like. I think with Grigg, um, we, we're just not gonna, we're never going to play to his style, I don't think, especially under Phil Parkinson. Um, the, like I said before, I think the only player who can... Played a kind of Will Big Styles Dan Neal, who is I don't think is going to be starting first yeah. team football. So yeah, it it is difficult to see how it is going to change. I mean, it might just it might just need where one of them just needs a goal to to kick on to really kick on. But it's we've got to we've got to create more for them as well. It's not just the strikers' fault. It's you know we've got to start creating more chances for them. Um, and and not just hope that we're gonna you know gonna catch one on the break or we're gonna get a penalty or stuff like that. You know we do need to be thinking a bit more, you know, focus on a bit more attacking now. Because like Chris says, we've got the defense teed down, teed down now. Now it's now it's time in this two weeks focus on attacking. Maybe try and bring an attack minded player in on uh, for the transfer deadlines done, and then you never know. Just just quickly, Brett. Sorry to to come in that, but just on the first four games, just a quick point on generally. One thing that I've picked up in these four games that, especially if three of them are fancied to be up there in the top six, that the opposition so far have given us Awful. absolutely nothing to worry about. They've they've been, I mean, it's if that if that's the level we're going to play at every week, then I think I think we can just keep with this plan and we'll eventually finish top two just by just by slogging through games and nicking a goal. Because apart from the first twenty minutes, half an hour against Peterborough, the, all four teams have just offered nothing going forward and just haven't troubled us um and yeah it was just that bit of pace where we we had to work peterborough out the first 20 minutes half an hour apart from that i mean if if this is the evidence on league one this season then uh yeah. we've got to be up there at the end you can even look at hull as well when we were playing i was in the literally cup. about to say yeah. that because that, yeah, that first game against hull i say yeah. that the cup game against hull because i said i'll keep a positive spin on it you know we were the far better team against mm-hmm. hull you know, I say we weren't bothered mm-hmm. getting losing on penalties, but no, I say that's interesting because I know I put the question out onto um, Twitter on Sunday, and what was coming back at me was quite a bit of doom and gloom about it, which you know made me want to sort of ask the question. Um, and I know Chris, we sort of asked this on the after the very first game, and I said how much pressure is um, Phil Parkinson under? And after the first game against um, 
Bristol Rovers, it was massive pressure. Has it eased a bit on him now? Um, to a certain extent, he's got he's he's kind of I think he's pocketed a little bit of um kind of goodwill of that of that start, but you know what it's like with Sunderland yeah, and with Phil Parkinson, he's one defeat away from an absolute disaster meltdown and, and you know, <laughs> a moment. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's true. I mean, we get beat off Swindon, and you know, I mean, you know what social media is going to be like on mm. on the Saturday night. Um, it's going to be Parkinson out. It's going to be and he's he's uh, well, you know, I think uh, kind of Connor's mentioned that he doesn't kind of read it. He doesn't take any notice of it, and and fair play to him, just kind of crack on with it. But um, yeah, absolute meltdown if we get beaten the next game. No, exactly. And um, for yourself, Ant, are you quite? Are you are you happy with Parkinson as it stands with the plan? Are you, you know, for yourself, is there any pressure on him at all at the moment? I think I think there's always pressure on him with with being at Sunderland, isn't there? I mean, he's. I I do think he's kind of surprised me a little bit this season because you know from where he was obviously last year when we went on a horrible run when he first came in and you know he's he's obviously spent the lockdown once the players have got back at the pre-season he's obviously got them drilled well drilled and this is what we're going to do and it is benefit it is benefiting because I mean you you look at at the start of the season that we've had against teams on paper who should be there and around us, and like as Chris says, they look ordinary. So you know, there's absolutely nothing to be afraid of this season under him. Um, I just, I just think, what is he going to do when we need to score more than one goal? That, that's me worry with him. But you know, as far as as far as the start of the season goes, I mean, obviously we're only what seven games in in total, as you said. He hasn't, we haven't lost, so you can't particularly fault him, can you? And on on the playing side of things then so I know we're, we're pretty much a month into the season really um, we've given um, Denver Hume a lot of uh, praise this morning but who's who's player of the month I know we're not, you know, just into October but who's been our sort of standout player so far this season Chris? Uh, for me it's Grand Ledbetter um, uh, the, the fact that he came in against a, a backdrop of people saying you know don't put Grand, Grand Ledbetter in whatever you do uh, panic stations because Grant Ledbetter was coming back in, um, and and he stepped in and he's looked an absolute cut above anything else on the pitch at, uh, at times, uh, opposition including, um, and I mentioned that first twenty minutes half an hour against Peterborough, and if you, if you watch that back, um, I mean all the kind of messages that were going around on social media, you could see everybody was panicking, thought, go we we could get thumped if this keeps yeah. going on like this. Dembele was picking the ball up in those pockets in between the, the three centre-halves in the midfield, in, in front, behind Ledbetter. And if you watch that back again, I mean, Ledbetter, the amount of experience he got, he just dropped 10 yards. And he, he was almost kind of standing right in front of Bailey Wright. So people weren't picking the ball up in front of him and he was coming onto the play. And just that little bit of experience, and he calmed the whole thing down because, I mean, it was... That, that 20 minutes, we, we were just kind of panicked. I think, oh, well, the, the that, that, that Peter McGrain, that first 20 minutes, it, it felt like yeah. it was going to be a very long afternoon. And that's like Dembele was going to just be causing us havoc. And then, and yeah. then nothing. And it was just what, almost pure luck that they didn't go up and take the lead in that first uh, 20 minutes. But Grand Ledbetter stepped in, he dropped back, and then he was facing the play rather than letting Dembele pick the ball up in behind because he, he wasn't catching him. Yeah. Um, let's mm. face it, not, not many players on the pitch would. Um, but once he started facing them up, he could put them under pressure and let give somebody time to come back and double up on him, and and they they didn't get a look in after that. But that that that's what we're going to get from Grant Ledbetter this season. He's going to see the situations 
and he's going to carry us through purely because he's been there and done it. Man, that's exciting. And, and you've literally spent the whole sort of couple of minutes just nodding <laughs> at every single thing Chris said. <laughs> I take it you're agreeing with him. Oh, he's been fantastic, hasn't he? And and, and like what it's like what Chris has touched on there when he came in against Oxford and I mean Twitter just went berserk, didn't it? Where's Scowan? Why Scowan up there? And I think I said that Scowan must be, you know, doing things with Phil Parkinson's <laughs> wife. And you know, <laughs> and you know what? It is so. And I've I've said this a couple of times to my friends as well. You know what it is? It's just so nice for Grant as well because you know that you know he's Sunderland through and through. He's been there since you know since he was you know knee high. You know what I mean? And you you can tell that you know the you know he bleeds red and white. You know it's it's just absolutely fantastic that he is that he has come back after everything that's happened last season and he was getting criticism every week he was playing, you know, his legs are gone, he's no good, he's this and that. You know, we you know, we didn't we didn't know what was going on in his personal life. You know, we yeah. obviously knew his mother had died, bless her, and but you don't you know, I think we kinda of think because these these are professional footballers that they kind of don't have mental health, you know, and, and mental health's a no, massive no, the, the... thing with everything, you know, and you know, he had to, he had to do that for himself. He's come back this season and yeah, he's just a class above, isn't he? He's just looked an absolute different player. Um, but he's like a new signing for us. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's probably saved the club a little bit of money as well. Not that we're going to spend it, but it's probably <laughs> yeah. saved the club a little bit of kind of thinking he can come in. He's first choice now with with Max Power for me or or scoring, you know, because um, he's just been absolutely fantastic. And what's probably helped him as well, I think, is that he's not got the the pressure of the captaincy on him, so he can just go and play football now. Um, I mean, in, in, in I mean the Charlton game. Once Flanagan got sent off, there was one leader on that pitch, and it was Grant Ledbetter. He was absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um, for me personally as well, as much as I want to say Ledbetter's my player of the month, I've got to go for Bailey Wright because I think he has been absolutely phenomenal since he's since he started the season. You know, he's he's just a colossus at the back. Um, first game, little bit jittery, I thought, but since then he's just he's not put a foot wrong for me and. The problem I've got is what happens when he does eventually break down, which it will happen at some point in the season. I can't see him going through 40-odd games without picking up an injury. I just think he has been absolutely tremendous. But there's been two or three. There's been him, Hume, Ledbetter. You know, I think Lugo 9 started the season very well. Um, possibly maybe Josh Scone's done done quite well. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of them. There's only probably the strikers where we've got a little bit of question marks over really. Yeah, no, we, we, we've got a really solid base, actually, that, mm-hmm. to um, to build upon. Yeah, another, another just a quick point about Ledbetter as well. I mean, half the problem, you know, when, you know, he, he came back was, um, you know, sometimes Jack Ross played him in a two-man midfield yeah. in kind of a, in a flat four, and, and he was always getting caught out. Um, and, you know, that, that, just, that just didn't suit his game. But this system we've got where Ledbetter is sitting in front of that back three, and he's facing he's facing everybody, so the game's in front of him. Um, because I think he, he's he's not tracking back. If if the game's behind him, he's not kind of chasing back all game. That's not going to be his game now. But um, with everything in front of him, and he can see the whole pitch. I mean, I think the system's absolutely yeah. perfect for Ledbetter. He's like a quarterback, isn't he? Like like in the uh, yeah. the American football, you know, he, he's like a quarterback. Yeah. He just you know, he sees everything. He's picking the ball up from deep, and then he's he's moving it on. You know, he's he's done fantastically. Well, it reminds us. I mean, obviously, he's not. He wasn't in the same class, but it reminds us years ago when Brendan Rodgers moved Stephen Gerrard mm-hmm. back to, yeah. to in front of the back four years ago, and and that's what Ledbetter is doing. He's just using all that experience, sitting in front of the back three. He can see the game, what's going on, and and yeah, he's uh, he, he's been brilliant. 
No, no, he has been fantastic. And it, it is great to see for, for, for him personally as well. Mm, um, absolutely. One other question I did have sort of um, asked then regarding the last sort of, sort of the football, the last seven games was obviously there being no fans in the ground. Now, as um, for Sunderland, obviously, the home, as the home team, we've got this actually phenomenal stadium that, you know, players come to and enjoy playing in. And obviously, they like, you know, playing in front of a big crowd. Playing away from home, we have a phenomenal away support. We sell out every single away game. How do you think it's affected the players for Sunderland with no fans in there this season? Um, Chris, do you think it's a benefit or is it a hindrance? Would we be where we are? Would we be higher? Would we be lower? Uh, oof, I'm not sure about higher and lower, but I mean, you, you could take it both ways. I mean, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I mean, obviously, I'm sure the players in public will say they're missing the fans, but uh, I'm sure there might be one or two thinking... <laughs> I'm quite glad the stadium's empty. I think the uh, manager's thinking that. Uh, exa- exactly, yeah. You can just crack on Rhys' job and he's he's not hearing the reaction, especially if he's not on social media. But uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, there was funny, there was a, I think there was a psychologist on, um, I was reading something the other day and they were saying that, you know, that home and away dynamics kind of being taken out. Um, and they were saying it might possibly be one of the reasons why, you know, that we had that flood of goals at the weekend, you know, because... Because fans put more pressure on making a mistake, and yeah. maybe without fans, you know, players are more expressive and and kind of get forward, and rather than having fans telling them to get back or you know, so don't shoot from there, you. <laughs> yeah, doing I mean, that for some some players, yeah, some players might freeze in front of a big crowd and think, oh, I, I can't perform today. But um, it seems like all these attacking players are going out and thinking, well, there's nobody to. If I lose the ball, I'm not going to get shouted at. So I'm going well, to kind of apart from you know, our players, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I was well. I I was not allowed past the halfway line, so <laughs> they've got a problem with that. But uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's an interesting one, and I think <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe Parkinson's a genius. Maybe he's come up with this plan to play home and away because uh, it, it doesn't matter as much, and we just play a system that's suited away from home in every single game we play. I don't know. Um, I, I'm maybe giving them a lot more credit than I probably should <laughs> there. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's it's a real strange one, but uh, we're getting results. So as long as that continues, and it'll be all good. Well, where, where do we actually sit? I know obviously this week there's been in Parliament um, the uh, petition to get 200,000 um, signatures to get, get fans back in. Now, I don't want to get too bogged down in the whole... Obviously, this is a worldwide pandemic going on. It's, um, you know, serious health issues. Um, but, Anne, for yourself, mm. what do you feel about getting fans back into the ground? As as much as I miss it, and I do miss it a lot, um, I'm happy. I'm happier being safe and not going. You know, I I, I just think it's it's just gonna it's just gonna start all these questions that if they do that, the fans in and there's a spike wherever they'll just it's football's fault. You know, yeah. so I'm I'm kind of just I think we should just leave it for now. Um, you know, I mean we're getting these kind of um kind of things on Twitter on social media saying, you know, if you can have people in a cinema on an aeroplane, why can't they go to the football? And it's just it's a little bit different for me because it, it for 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 a starter it's you can socially distance in a stadium, but getting to the stadium you're gonna have to you know, Sunderland itself with the stadium light being, you know, as big as it is with the big infrastructure car park, they're gonna have to spend a fair bit of money trying to make that safe for the fans to get in and out. So that's a start yeah. anyway. And 
I'm just I'm happier the way it, the way it is at the moment. You know, I I wouldn't touch it at the minute, and I I don't think they can make it. You know, viable really. Chris, uh, what what are, you, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I don't wanna kind of get too. Like, sort of I don't wanna get too bogged down it. on it, but so it's and been in the news this week, so I thought I'll ask the question. Yeah, the, just the the kind of politics of it all and everything, but uh, I just think. Um, Obviously, like I, I think everyone wants to to get back to the stadium, get get back in there. But I think my issue is it's it's just the wrong time to be asking the question. I think um, uh, when the transmission rates are going up, um, uh, you know, if everything was going down and everything was settling down, uh, then fair enough. But um, infection rates are up, um, and you know, places are in complete lockdown. So to to ask people to then you know congregate and even with um, lower capacities it's uh, it's just the wrong time to be asking the question i think i think uh, um i think we need to let things settle down a bit more before before making that point it just needs the government to be consistent as well like Anne touched on i mean you're asking people to congregate inside um cinemas and, and theaters um yet outdoor arenas on haven't been given the go-ahead which is simply because they don't trust football fans no. um so if they were consistent at the time that they were reopening things then fine, but the issue was they weren't, which is why now football's trying to catch up. But it's now the timing isn't great because the numbers they're all shooting uh, up, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. So I do think. I oh, sorry, sorry, but I do think with that though, and it has been touched on by um, Charlie Methon and things like that. There needs to be something in place from from the government, from from football, from the EFL to help out League One and League Two clubs because it will get to a point if if fans aren't allowed in by, say, January, February, where there's a lot of clubs going to struggle. So there has to be something in place there. You know, they've helped every other industry out. So they need to start looking at football as well. Yeah, I mean, people are shouting at the government, yet football clubs are spend, still spending £100 million on players. And so it's, you know, you've had you've had defenders going for over £50 mm. million this summer and you've got clubs begging to stay in existence. So I, as, much, as much as I'm not a fan of this government, um, I slight sympathy for them when they're saying, "Well, hang on, you've got a lot of money sloshing around the game, and you're asking us for a handout." So I don't know. This, yeah. um... Well, what, what I'll do, I'll, I'm going to put my um, my lid back on that can of worms <laughs> I opened up. <laughs> you then, started it because I think that what we could literally talk about that for about an hour um, and still get absolutely nowhere on it. Yeah. Um, but no, thanks. Thanks for your, your opinions on that one. Um, as I said at the beginning of the show, though, we were going to have a look at a very quick look at the under 23s. Um, they were in action this week and beat Newcastle's under 23s 4 0. So at least they're carrying on the tradition of uh, beating the Mags. Um, although that actually triples our points of last season. Um, obviously, it was cut short, but the lads only actually got one point last season. So on three today, um, as of today, with those players um, on the fringes, though, Jack Diamond, Brandon Taylor, Daniel, that we've mentioned, were all in the starting line against Carlisle. The only one that of sort of possible uh, fringes of the first team is uh, Benji Kimbioka, um, who did score twice. Now, and for yourself, what were your. Um, your thoughts of us sort of re-signing him? Is it is it a good thing? Is it is it is he really greedy and he's just um, you know taking the one deal that's been handed to him, or have we actually got a decent player on board here? What's the score with him? <laughs> Honest, you know when when they said oh he he signed a new contract, and I only saw like a headline of because I was at work, and I thought you know what, yeah, you know I'm I'm dead shut for that, but then I saw it was only a year, so basically he's out of contract again at the end of the season, so we've got we're gonna have all that to come again. Um, with him personally, you know what? I haven't seen enough of him to make 
a massive deal on him. You know what I mean? I know he's very, very highly rated. You know, and he's he's been he's been at the club quite a while now, and he now I think now he's being given this year. He's not come to play under twenty three football. You know, because he would have signed for somebody else. He's come to break into the first team now. What Benji does have is blistering pace, you know, and that he's got something there that none of our strikers have got. You know, he's got blistering pace. He's like a headless chicken at times. But you look at what um, Dembele did for Peterborough against us. Now Dembele didn't have any end product at all, but he frightened the shite out of us in the first twenty twenty five minutes. <laughs> now for someone like Benji, possibly can kick on now. For him to come into Sunderland and to you know to come and give us a, a you know bit of a shot up front, it can only be good things as well. I will say as well, there's another lad who's um, playing left back for the under twenty threes. Uh, Dunn, I think it's Kieran Dunn, and he looks a good player. So I we, think he scored the other one of the other goals. He did, think. yeah. He scored the third yeah. one, and he does look a good player. Um, but yeah, you know, with sorry, I will go back to Benji. With Benji now, it is up to him now to make Phil Parkinson play him because you know. He's not come to sit. He's not come to sit and play for twenty three football all season. So it's it's up to him, really. Chris, what was uh, what's your thoughts on us uh, signing him or re-signing him? Should say. Yeah, I think I think well, I, I think with how long it's got on, um, and I've got no inside information. It's just me trying to guess, second guess what what's got on. But I think at the start of the whole saga, I think we we obviously put a contract in front of him that was based on look, you're still a. You're still an academy player. You've getting a few appearances under your belt, but you're not quite ready to to really push for the first team. So this offer obviously reflects that. And he's thought, well, you know, I can probably get a better deal somewhere else. Um, salary caps come in, probably agent in his ear, things like that. Sunderland have, I think, well, from the from the outside, kind of played it quite well and said, well, look, we we rate you quite highly. The contract's there on the table. Come back to us if you want it. Um, and it's obviously for probably not for the biggest amount of money. Yeah. And uh, he's probably run out of options mm-hmm. and thought, well, actually, yeah, let, let's go for it. And um, Or he's thought of all the options available that actually Sunderland is going to kind of kick him on. And he's got it. And, and I think in, in our position, League One, salary cap, I mean, you mentioned it's it's a year, and, but I think it has to be really. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it, it, gives, it gives us the option to cut our losses at the end of the season and say, you haven't progressed at all. You know, thanks, but no thanks. Um, and also, I mean, yeah, okay, puts us at risk if he does kick on and he ends up scoring a hat trick uh, in in every single game and uh, he leaves at the end of the season anyway. But if he does that and he gets us promoted, then fair play. So I like to think it's kind of no lose situation, really. I think it is. For me, it is a no lose situation. It's another body in that we mm. need. We haven't got the strongest of squads altogether, so. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a it's a no lose situation personally. Um, and while I've got you on board, um, yeah. I know you're a, you're a fan of the ladies too. I am indeed. Yeah. So for yourself, and I'll be honest, I, I'm not. I I, I keep up to the ladies via Twitter. So obviously, I know there was a lot of they were very hard done by end of last season. Um, I don't know the full ins and outs of it. Um, and they sort of started the season not great, but winning the other day against Middlesbrough. Um, What's the score with it? If you can just sort of give a, a fill us in, really, of what's gone on with the ladies in the last sort of well five sort of months, really. Yeah, well, well, basically, before um, the last game, that's actual football match I've saw live, um, probably Sunday League team, which you know isn't as is, is, <laughs> isn't that kind of a quality. But the last football game I saw live in person was Sunderland ladies versus Stoke, and Sunderland ended up winning four two, 
um, and were top of the league by around about four, around about five, six, seven points, and had a few games. They were basically two wins away. And what's happened is with COVID nineteen, they've decided not to do you know points per game or promote any sides. It's just null and voided the season. And what that has done is meant that bigger clubs in Sunderland have come and snatched our better players. Now we've lost. Charlotte Potts to Hibs, which, to be honest, I think Charlotte Potts possibly would have gone anywhere had we'd, even had we been promoted. I'd like to think she wouldn't, but something tells us she probably would have gone anywhere because she has got, you know, higher ambitions and she is a very, very good footballer. Um, we lost Molly Lambert, who was our midfield general, probably the best player I saw last season for the ladies. She was absolutely fantastic. And uh, Bridget Galloway, who scored a lot of goals for us. And the bother is they haven't been replaced adequately enough. Mainly because they couldn't, you know, they 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 couldn't do it. They've, you know, I mean, Mel Copeland, the manager, she's performed miracles at Sunderland. You know, she's done so well with them, but she she keeps on getting battered and battered and battered off the FA because we're just not getting any. You know, we're not getting rubber the green. And what's happened this season is we've had to try and replace them with the best that they can, but the the team hasn't gelled. The the players who have come in probably aren't good enough. Um, or certainly aren't as good as the three I mentioned and. It's just looked a little bit lacklustre. They did get a very good win, I will say, um, last week against Middlesbrough. They played very well. Um, and I will, I would advise anyone to watch uh, Maria Ferrugia's goal. It's absolutely fun, even for men's football. I did, say, I, 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 I did say that one on Twitter. It was um, a great goal. And, and they, have, they, have got, they have got the players to probably challenge, but it's just going to prove a little bit harder this year. And it's just so, considering where we were at, at the end of the like, like before COVID hit, they have probably been... And there has been a lot of you know bad luck stories in football with with what's happened with COVID, but they're probably up there with how unlucky that they have been, and it is a shame. But there's like I said, they've still got some good players. As um, there's Neve Heron, who's only seventeen year old. She's going to go a long, long way. You know, probably going to play at the highest level. Probably play for England. She's excellent, and there's something there. But I think it just needs a little bit more patience this year. But I will say, and this is a plea to Sunderland AFC, please, please. We are Sunderland ladies play at Head at Hetton and it is a non league it's a, like a northern league stadium. You can socially distance, you can move people about. Please let us back in. You know what I mean? I I think the ladies need the fans back in more than what the men do because the fans at the Sunderland ladies it's so behind the team, you know, and it's such a like a different atmosphere to the men's football. Um because just it's just fun you know, it's really it's a good day out and I just really, really want us to get back in. Like, let the fans back in. Borough are doing it. Newcastle are doing it. We're the only team in the North East who aren't. It's, it is, it is a massive, massive shame. And I do think at this time the ladies do need us there. So it would be, it would be nice to get back, please. <laughs> Whoever's in charge. <laughs> well, I tell you, yeah. So it's, even especially if they got like the, the fans back in. There. I know we spoke briefly about it into the, the bigger stadiums, but I think even those fans that just want to go watch a game of football. If they may never seen a ladies game before, would probably go along and watch the ladies mm. team play just to see a team in red and white play a match. Yeah. So yeah. So 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 if it is the, is it the club's decision not to let fans in, or is it the council? How, do you know what the score is? I've got to be honest. I'm not a hundred percent certain on that. Um, but I do know that the, you know everything goes through the club. So you know yeah. the, the the club are basically suddenly it's a part of Sunderland FC. So. You know the club will have a decision to make on it, but you know the bother. The bother is, and again, I don't want to go so anti Sunderland FC, but the club hasn't helped the ladies at all. You know they they didn't particularly challenge the league's decision to to null and void the league. They just kind of put a tweet out and 
it was like, oh, we agree, we you know we we support the decision, or we'll accept the decision when you know they should have pushed for it. You know they should have pushed for it. They yeah. were, you know, I like to say a game, two games away from getting promoted. It was heartbreaking, really. And and what's happened is that you know the the spine of the team has been ripped out, and they haven't started again. And it it shouldn't it shouldn't have happened really. But yeah, you know to answer your question, but I'm not a hundred percent certain who is in charge of it. But if Middlesbrough ladies can do it. And Newcastle ladies can do it. There's, there's now, no excuses for us exactly. Not doing it. We played away at a Hull um, a couple of weeks ago, and a few fans travelled down because we could go. So, you know, I, I do think obviously I know it's difficult with the North East being in you know in pretty much lockdown. It is difficult, but I do think there could be a way. And well, out of a passionate play there <laughs> from yourself. It is. It is. Yeah. It's because it's because like I say the. I am quite passionate about some of the ladies, to be honest. I am because I really do think that the, you know, the good, the really, really good side, the you know, good bunch of lasses as well. Got a great manager, and it's it is just a shame, you know. I, I feel really, really sorry for them. No, so they they did get absolutely. I say just how how that season ended last season. You know, we we thought the men's team had it tough, yeah. but to have your your season just null and void, that must be just heartbreaking. Yeah. And they were the best team in that league by a country mile. And yeah. you know, oh, the, no, so they, they were far. I know, so I was before this, I was looking to see how far they were. They, they, that league was sewn up, yeah. They took so, Birmingham yeah. as well, and Birmingham were a good side, ladies' side, took them all the way in a cup game, lost one nil right at the end. And you know, they were absolutely fantastic. And um, yeah, to see them struggling now is hard because you know they should be in a, a level higher and possibly could yeah. have attracted better players to the club. But, you know, I, I want to say it is what it is, but it kind of isn't because it could have been avoided so easily. <laughs> no, it should it should have should have been avoided. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Um, no, but I say, I say, not oh, great. To get your your input onto that. I say, it's, if anyone can do anything, yeah, let's hope say we can get get people you know back in watching the ladies team. Um, but moving on from that, um, as always on my pod, um, we play a little game, and and this is your first. Uh, Time playing it, and unfortunately, you've got all of the colossus <laughs> of uh, of playing away in a, in Chris Wynn, who is the current leader um, of it. Very quick rundown through it, as always. We um, I've picked a game for you. You've got to pick the starting eleven. Um, if you get a sub, you get to have another go. Um, if you end the game, if you get clear all the players out, um, basically get two lives. So you get two points if you don't lose a life. If you lose one life, you get one point zero if you bomb out and keeping in uh with the efl tournament whatever it's called now efl cup um this weekend we played stoke under 21s in our very first appearance back in 2018 2019 um already and you look disgusted um (laughs) By this, so we've just—I always give a few little clues there just to help out. So Jack Ross is in charge. Obviously, we got relegated in the summer. Um, we beat Stoke. Well, we actually we drew nil nil with Stoke under twenty ones, and we won four uh, two on penalties. I'll let you have a little think, Ant, because I'll make Chris go first. <laughs> oh, that's, um, I'm, I'm over the moon with that. This is David versus Goliath, isn't it? <laughs> but as I say, it's, we've uh, so we've, we've you know it's, we've, been, we've just entered into League One. We've uh, you know we've been relegated in the summer, unfortunately. Uh, Jack Ross is in charge. Few games in. Chris, where are we going to start? Well, <laughs> got a slight confession to make that. Uh, when I was looking, when I was doing a bit of research of Brandon Taylor, I was looking at these games. <laughs> I was looking at these games <laughs> to see when he was playing. Um, so um, 
Okay. I don't know what, when, you, when, you, when you actually said that earlier, you said about the um, what is yeah. that? goes off. Oh, oh, here he goes. He's, he knows it all. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking to see if he got on one, so I was looking through these. Um, okay, so I'll I'll start with uh, uh, Reuter in goal. Yeah, Reuter is in goal. Chris is off in the mud. It's the only one I knew. <laughs> uh, and where'd you fancy going? God, I, I, you know what? As well, I wasn't there. I wasn't at the game. So I remember not many people. Were. No. Well, I can I can tell you there were seven thousand six hundred forty-four people. Uh, there. One of them wasn't me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Christ, Wake. No, he wasn't playing. Yeah, Christ wasn't. No, Charlie Wake. We'll go with him. <laughs> Charlie Wake was playing. Oh. Christ wasn't. But yeah, Charlie Wake was. Although they do call him uh, God, don't they? Oh, Charlie Wake. <laughs> I would say all God every time he's got the ball. <laughs> I think I think oh fuck here we go again. <laughs> Chris. Uh, play it safe, go Chris Maguire. Chris Maguire's there. See, this wasn't a hard one, was it? And you're up. Just name players who are still in the squad. <laughs> I'm just trying to go on penalty takers. I can't remember who even took the penalty. We did run on penalties, you said, didn't you? Yeah, we won on penalties 4-2. Uh, who took the penalty? So it's uh, Sunderland nil, Stoke nil. Well, Stoke under-21s nil. McGeoch. McGeoch's there. Oh, Dylan. So, Chris, you're back up so far. Two, no one's lost a life. Two goes each. Um, Denver Hume. Denver Hume was there. He started. Straight back to Ant. <laughs> I've, I've seen this face a few times during the yeah, summer. Yeah, I have, you? You've had six months of me looking like this. Doing these quizzes, racking your brains. <laughs> I know. Who are we going to go with now? I'm just trying Denver to think of that squad. Who was that, was that lad we had on loan? From? Sinclair. Jerome Sinclair. We'll try him. Jerome Sinclair, he did play. Ooh. He came off the bench, which means you have to get you have to go again. Oh, is, oh I have to go again. <laughs> yeah. Oh Christ. Um, Chris said Denver Hume, didn't he? Denver Hume is there. Robin Voitzer, uh, McGeoch, Chris Maguire, Charlie Wyke. Flanagan. Tom Flanagan. Tom Flanagan makes his debut. Did he? Yeah. So uh, and you were up. Oh, sorry, um, Chris, you're up. I'm going to go for. In Piorca, because we were talking about. Oh, good show. He came. He came off the bench, also making his debut. Mm. So, Chris, you go again. Oh, in that case, um, Madger. Josh Madger was there. So it goes back to Ant. Uh, I've, got, I've, got to, I've got to thank the uh, Stat Cat again for my uh, getting my teams, which I use every week. <laughs> quite, quite possibly the best ever, uh, Sunderland. It's like if you have any information on Sunderland, go to the Stat Cat. It's absolutely phenomenal for uh, every game we've ever played. Uh, especially against Stoke under 23s on a cold and dreary night. When, uh... now, that, 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 that game, it, just, it, when it we just is cold nil. all over it. I bet that game was freezing cold. I bet it was. <laughs> despite it being in September. I, I, think that's why I, st- I think that's why I never went. I was just thinking it's going to be shite. <laughs> and I was right, Drew 0 0. Ali Moz Turk. He was, under, he was playing on Czech Trade a lot, wasn't he? He was. He was there. Yes. Moz Turk's in the team. Oh, you're, doing, you're flying through here, lads. You've only got two left. Oh, sorry, three left. Three left. Chris, you're up. Trying to think who we've still got. Um, going to go for Luco Nine. Luco Nine's there. He was probably playing centre mid at the time, I imagine. Probably. So <laughs> you've got two left. And now it gets a bit tricky. Boom. We've said Maguire, haven't we? Chris Maguire. You've said Maguire and yeah. you've said Maguire twice. I've said Maguire twice. <laughs> um, I'm going to try because we had. Because Chris has said Denver Young, which is kind of putting us off. But we had 
We had another left back, didn't we? And I can't remember his bloody first name. I, I, I love I've, the fact now I'm, do, I'm doing these by like Skype video and I can see people really struggling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should video this one time. <laughs> um, what's his bloody name? Is there a time limit on this? <laughs> you, 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 you pretty much had it, so oh. I need, I'm going to have to push you for an answer. Is it Reese? Somebody, Reese Jones or Reese James? Reese James. Reese James. James. <laughs> From out of nowhere. Well done. Bloody hell. I, I genuinely thought that one was going to be the one that uh, we came on stuck Oh, was he so right as well? Oh, that'll do. <laughs> so, you've now got one left to get, Chris, and we were, you both get two points. Mm. So they, they call Chris the Oracle. <laughs> um, no, no one calls him that. Well, I was thinking of another, I was thinking of a right back, because I said Hume at left back, so I'd I'm lost now. Um, so we got we got Reuter, Hume, James, McGeoch, Ozturk, Flanagan, Maguire, Wyke, Madger, O9. Gonna go for gonna go for Lyndon Gooch. Mm. It wasn't Gooch, I'm afraid. You've lost a life. So it does now force mm. you have to pass back to you, Ant. Oh, good grief. Centre midfielder. midfielder. And I'm gonna have to start rushing you. Oh Christ. Um Catamol. <laughs> no, unfortunately Catamol's not there. <sighs> So you've lost a life. Go straight back to Chris. Do you know what? I actually get a lot of people actually like sending comments on my Twitter about this, how much they like playing along with these games. This, this is honestly, I'm on the edge of my seat here. This is brilliant. I love it. <laughs> you, 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 literally, a minute ago, you could have like had two points on the board and would have been joint second. You know what it is, Brett, right? I think I've listened to round about well, pretty much all of these podcasts in, in this season. And I've been shouting names out. When it comes to you, <laughs> you've got no idea. Um... Oh, I really am. I'm stumped to send him film. Um, I'm oh, trying to think of young lads. I'm going to go for... Oh, blimey. Um, I have to rush you, Chris. <laughs> uh, you, you, you mentioned him earlier on. I'm going to go for Embleton. Ooh, that's got to be right. It's, n- it's not Embleton. Oh. I think I know it now, then, since it's not Embleton. I think I've got it. I'm excited. <laughs> is it Ethan Robson? It is. Oh! <laughs> oh well played. It is Ethan Robson, so... <laughs> Good shout. And you had, it's only one point you get because oh, you lost do. a life. But it's more say, points you, I thought be- I was going to get, so that'll do. <laughs> and you've beaten Chris, so not a lot of people can say. So oh, that's 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 it's, it's them, that, yeah. It's it's that drinking times, Chris, isn't it? It's, it's them Sunday quizzes <laughs> he puts on the uh, on the on the Walker Report thing. You know, I do oh, play they're, every they're, week. They're really hard. They are. <laughs> do play every week, and I do think I've just yeah, that'll do. <laughs> So that, that was the uh, Sunderland team that drew 0-0 with Stoke under 21. So we had Reuter, Hume, James, McGeoch, Ozturk, Flanagan, Maguire, Robson, Wyke, Madger and 9 And then we won 4-2 on penalties. What a great game that must have been. So that, well gents, played, Well played, Matt. We are done. Uh, Chris, as always, absolute pleasure having you on board. Always a pleasure. Cheers, Brett. Thanks, Ant. Thank um, you. And... Thanks for coming on. Hope you enjoyed the uh, first time with me. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it, mate. Thank you very much. <laughs> Cheers. If you enjoyed listening, obviously subscribe to ACAS, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. And you're feeling really generous, go on there, give us a five star review. It's always appreciated. That's it, we're done. Speak to you soon. Take it easy. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 